from the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Think It Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I'm Kyle Wenzel. And we're excited to have you guys back this week for our show. And we are, I just want to say, and I, I try to say this periodically, just appreciate all you guys who listen to the show. <laughs> made me made me laugh a little bit because boy, we've had some we've had some deep, tough issues these last few shows. So if you're still listening, thank you. Um, no. <laughs> for listening to the show we really really appreciate it and we don't expect everybody to agree on everything you know but we're 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 just here we're here as a family to just chat about some issues that we think are 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 pertinent to you know our walk right now and, and where we are in society and so we appreciate you guys truly for listening listen if you're listening on an apple device right now can you scroll down to the bottom rate and review us in any other platform that you listen to us on if they have a chance for you to do that rate and review us it helps us a lot also if you want us to come out to your church or your event, you can book Kyle and I. You can go to our website, thinkingoutloudmedia.com, thinkingoutloudmedia.com, and go to the booking tab there and send us an email, and we will get the booking sheet to you. And we'll we'll come, we'll do your town hall. You know, if you if you're just doing a roundtable discussion about some things in culture or religion, politics, any that stuff we'll 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 come to your your church or, or your place and, and talk about it and so just want to get those things out there but today we are going to continue our discussion and this is uh, surrounding critical race theory we had a deep discussion about that last week and we believe that that critical race theory as we said in the, in the last show is a very very concerning topic and there is there is critical race theory in our schools, our colleges, in just society in general, but it's also in the church. Surprisingly or not surprisingly, however you want to look at that, it has it crept its way into the church, just like everything else seems like these days. And it is propagated and championed by Be the Bridge, which is an organization that's ran by Latasha Morrison. And, you know, I usually, we usually try not to use names. I know some past guests have used names and I, I try not to do that. But in this case, I, I, you know, I mean, this is her organization and she is big into this. And this is pretty much critical race theory repackaged for the church. And yeah. we're going to go through some things today. I had a friend of mine a while back who sent me some material. It's a minister friend of mine. His wife sent me some material from Be the Be the Bridge, and I'd never heard of them before. And she basically said, she's like, hey, they're teaching this in our small group at church. Uh, and she's white. And she's like, man, I just, she's like, I re- this really 
I, she's like, this makes me nervous. It, it makes me uncomfortable. I just, there's something about this that's just not right. Could you look over this and, and tell me what you think? Man, I, I read like just a few lines and I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, I can't even believe this is being taught in a church. And then after that, I did a little bit more research and realized that Latasha Morrison and Be the Bridge is, I mean, it's all over. I mean, in some very well-known evangelical circles, podcasts, churches. I mean, she, you know, she was a part of the IF conference and all of that. So, I mean, I think we need to know who she is and some of the things that's in this Be the Bridge curriculum that is going on. There's a, a Facebook group and, and all of this, and there's her book as well. And so I think we just need to, and her book is Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart. And I think this is important for you to understand. Her book is called Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. And I think after you hear what you hear today, you tell me if you think this is pursuing God's heart. And so as part of this curriculum, she has something that she calls 16 bridge building tips for white people. Okay. This is something that's part of the curriculum. And this is something that's being taught and discussed in churches. And there's 16 of these tips. And we're going to go through these as me, an African-American man, from my perspective of this. And then Kyle, as a white man, from his perspective I think this is going to be a good discussion that we can have just a balanced view all the way around on these different these different issues here. So as a Christian, so when you're sitting here there and you're listening to the things that I'm reading in our commentary, I want you to remember this is in the church. This is being taught in churches, right? We are Christ followers. And let's just look at that from that perspective, okay? Because this is what she said she's doing. She's trying to she's trying to build a bridge. All right. Yeah, she's she's trying to help us navigate racial conversations. So understanding racism from a person of color and how a white person should respond and things we should or shouldn't say. I'm gonna come out on the air and just tell you I feel oppressed for a minute here. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> like I'm not trying to giggle out of like a joke, but like I read this and I go. 16 bridge building tips for white people. And it's telling me, don't this, don't this, don't this, don't do this, don't make this conversation, don't say this, don't. Wait a minute here. Wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it's just, uh, yeah. Again, what we said in the last episode, look, I'm all about unity, man, but unity is not dividing. And if this thing is divisive in any way, you're not going to get unity out of this. So let's dig in. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's dig in and you know, well let's just dig in. That that's that's all we're going to do here. So, the first tip. So this is 16, remember, these are 16 bridge building tips for white people. Okay? Now, mind you, let me let me just say this, okay? <laughs> we're going into a church where there's black and white people, okay? So say your church is diverse, okay? Or has any you know, any diversity at all. And it could be a, a large number of one race and just a small number of other races, or it could just be very diverse and you just have all kinds of races, which is would be fantastic. But most churches are not like that. But just think of this. All right. So a black person walks into your church 
saying that that they want to pursue God's heart for racial reconciliation. And then they hand you (laughs) as a white person, they hand you 16 bridge building tips for you, white person. Okay, that just just want to. Just want to, just want to, I mean, cause that's truly what it is. I, it sounds funny. It sounds like I'm trying to be, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, it's a, no, it's a class for white people. It's a, cl- it's a class for white people to show you what you are supposed to be doing. Now, number one, the first tip, don't expect people of color to be your only source of education about race, black, indigenous, and people of color get exhausted explaining the same ideas over and over again every time a white person joins the conversation read a book instead watch a documentary google terms and ideas if you must hit up your friend of color for insight at least buy them dinner and really listen to what they have to say so kyle as a white man how do you respond like how does that you make you feel if I were to hand this to you in church and and this was the first thing you read i mean i listen i i understand I understand being exhausted saying the same thing over and over again at the end of this where it says if you must hit up your friend for a color of insight for insight, at least buy them dinner and really listen so you're assuming that I don't care you're assuming that I'm not going to listen and you're you're assuming that by me asking because I care is it enough so I got to buy them dinner Like, does every time someone comes to me to hear about the story of Jesus, do they got to buy me dinner, even though it gets exhausting because I sell the same same teenager over and over again, how they could do better? You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. So listen, I agree with some of this. I agree that we do need to watch documentaries. We do need to read books and we do need to see perspective in general with a broad brush because... I told you I watched a Netflix series and I can't remember what it was called. I think it's like when they hear us or when they see us, but it was about oppression and, and my stomach turned over that because it was real stories that was happening and I watched the system take place and it hurt my feelings for that. I didn't need to go to one of my friends to, to hear that. Right. But at the same time, I think that people of color need to be our source of education about race. Yeah. So. There's that balance there, and, and I don't think that I have to buy them dinner for that. I think that me asking is me genuinely saying, I need to understand this. Help me understand this. Yeah, I, and, and yes, and I think, yeah, do, do I get what she's saying here? Yes. And do I agree with her that, yes, should, should all people on both sides, and I, I know specifically she's talking about white people here, should you read a book? watch a documentary, all of that. Well, sure. I, I think we all should do things to, to have a good, It's all educational. Right. To have a good insight into other cultures and races and all of that. And, and it, it does. I think it would help us understand other cultures and races. But I think what we have to understand is when, when Jesus would look at something like that, I think Jesus would, would encourage collaboration. You know, I don't yeah. think Jesus would say, well, you know what? I'm tired of you asking me that question. Can you go read a book or something? Like, <laughs> I think Jesus would sit down with a person and explain for as long as they needed, you know, and, and, and yeah, it might be over multiple meetings. But my thing right. is, I want to look at my brother and sister, because remember, this is in church. 
So I want to look at my brother and sister in Christ, and I want to say, you know what? I, you know, I appreciate you coming to me about that, right? You well, know? and this is about finding the heart of Jesus, yes. right? Or seeking the heart of Jesus. Well, the heart of Jesus was, well, God wrote a book. He also lived it out. Right. Right. He didn't just expect us to read it. He came and lived it in front of us, explained it in front of us, overtaught it in front of us. So, yeah, I would say that doesn't line up with the heart of Jesus. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I would say the same. I think we're, I think we're miss. I think there's some good in that, but I think we're, we're, we're missing the point that we should collaborate, I think, and, and, and all of that. So, okay. Tip number two of 16 bridge building tips for white people. Don't take up too much space in the conversation. Yes, this is hard for verbal processors. We know you have important things to say, but white people's ideas and stories are prioritized everywhere else. Take this opportunity to sit quietly and elevate the voices of people of color. So I have, this was the one I think I had the biggest issue with. It is a flat out lie. When you can sit there and say white people's ideas and stories are prioritized everywhere else. That is such an unprofessional and horrible, horrible tactic of communication. And if I, I swear, if I were to be the one to write this and look back on it, Kevin, there are times where I print a sermon out and I'll reread it and I get mad at myself because I, I say stuff that I'm like, man, that I get the idea, but I said that wrong. That is said way wrong. And that right there, if I'm the author of this, I'm going back and going, that right there could discredit everything else I say in the next 16 tips. Mm -hmm. Because that is not even remotely the truth. It's not Mm -hmm. remotely the truth. Mm -hmm. Not only is there black entertainment, but there are black voices on all the other entertainments too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I I know that not only is there Black History Month, but there's black history in every month, okay? Mm. So don't tell me, and I know this is a white guy talking, but do not tell me that white people's ideas and stories are prioritized everywhere else. So no, I won't take this opportunity to sit quietly and elevate the voices of a person of color. What I will do is I will give a person, whether it's a person of color or not, I will give a person the stage to elevate their voice, just like I would expect mine to be elevated. There will be equality in the conversation. There will be equality in what is prioritized and who gets prioritized. This is Now, what this is doing is elevating a race and making it, taking equality completely out of it. So, point number one, I I was like, I don't have that big of a problem with it. I was waiting for point number two. Because if someone were to tell me not to take up space in a conversation, then I'm leaving the conversation. Because you don't want me there anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And And that's where, and remember, folks, this is being taught in churches. And I, what I should have done, because I, I, you know, you guys may not like you hear this and you go, there's no way I should have got a list of all the ministries and the church, you know, which I, we don't like calling out ministries and stuff on here, but I will tell you, man, you would be shocked. Just look for it. Look for it. You will see mm-hmm. it. Pastors are, mm-hmm. are calling her in to help them build the bridge. Right. But this is part of it. 
It's because it's because churches are not prepared to handle stuff like this. That's right. And this is what we find when we have shepherds that have avoided topics for too long because they either didn't care enough or they were too afraid. And I'll come out on, on a public show like this and say that because this is my profession. I'm a pastor. And there's two reasons why you don't cover something. Because you don't care enough or you're too afraid of the opinion of what you're going to cover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a byproduct. And I know I sound mad because I'm a little frustrated right now. Because this is poor leadership. This is a byproduct. And it's counterproductive. Like, it's, it's counterintuitive. Like, we're not going anywhere with that point right there. We're just not. We need to collaborate. And everybody needs to have a voice in order for things to be settled. But this is what happens when leaders refuse to handle things the proper way. Yes, I, I agree. And with I, I don't. Again, I know that's heavy to say, but I stand by what I say there. Yeah, this, this, and 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 I, you know, the spirit behind this, guys. Listen for for anyone who thinks for a nanosecond that I don't understand where Latasha Morrison is coming from. I understand exactly where she's coming from. And you may say like, well, but you know, she doesn't mean it that way. I know how exactly how she means it, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, it, it's, it, you know, and I may take some points of this and really stick on it. So like when she says, you know, we know you have important things to say, but white people's ideas and stories are prioritized everywhere else. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. There are black people in basketball, football, the White House, in government, local, state, national government. There are black voices in on television. There are black voices in the, 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 the marketplace, just your regular work. I mean, this is not the 1960s. So, what, you know, who walks into a church and says, hey, white people, I need you to be silent. Let the people of color talk because we've heard too much from you. Does that sound like Christ? To you, like, d- does that really sound like Christ? I'm just, I'm asking this question. Does that sound like Christ? And and I know that some people would say things like, "Well, but you know, it, you know, black people have been oppressed, and you know, you know, we we don't normally hear from a black person on Sunday mornings, and you know, it's it's our pastors white, and we they do need more of a voice." Here's the problem. Is how you fix that walking in with 16 tips for white people? Like, is that, is, is that how, because what, I, if this was reversed and we walked in with 16 tips for black people and Kyle is white and he walks in and he gives 16 tips for black people, how do you think that go over? It wouldn't go over well, right? It just wouldn't. And so instead of us Instead of us taking one group of people and saying, here's what you need to do, we are supposed to be bringing unity to the body of Christ. And folks, this does not bring unity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to number three. Don't compare your experience of oppression or suffering with the person of color's experience with oppression or suffering. Although you might see similarities between your circumstances, Resist the urge to interpret a black, indigenous, or person of color's experience through your limited lens. Your suffering is real, and it might help you feel more connected to or empathetic toward your friend of color. But your experiences are not the same. 
continue to listen, and seek to understand. Off the rip, I mean, I don't like the explanation, but off the rip, I just, I've learned through, even with like suicidal conversations and people who struggle with mental health, there's a time and place to compare experiences. There's a time and place to go back and forth about how you can be empathetic, right? Mm-hmm. But then there is there is simply a time and place where you just have to validate the way they feel. Right. You have to let them know like, hey, listen, what you're going through is real. And it has nothing to do with you bringing it back on how you can relate. Because sometimes in the conversations, you don't have to be able to relate. That's right. You just need to be able to say, listen, that, that oppression, that's real. And what you're suffering is real. And I validate that. Yes. So again, there, there's some of these points where I can see it. Like I can see yeah, the heart of that. Absolutely. But it's, but again, Kevin, I just, again, as a white person, I, I would just, in the explanations, I just feel attacked. Yeah. Like I have no right to be a part of the conversation, you know? So I guess that's my only beef with that one is just, again, Latasha points it back towards as a white person, you have no reason to be in this conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And I would agree with you there. I, I, I think, you know, we shouldn't, and we've said that about grief. I, it was on another show. Yeah. I can't remember, but we're, I think it was with Vanitha, but we were talking about how sometimes people say stupid things, right? So people yeah. go to somebody who's grieving the loss of their spouse or the whatever, and they'll say, you know what? You know, I know how that, I know how that feels, right? No, yeah, you no, don't. Unless you yeah. lost your spouse, you have no idea how that feels, right? And you, you can't compare the death of your dog to the death of, you know, somebody's spouse, right? Well, and the simple truth is, is when you do that, like someone's talking to you about their oppression or how they're feeling, and they're still trying to grapple with that. And then you're coming from a place of pretty much, I've already gone through that. I know what that's like. And it's, it's like, man, I just want you to know how deep this is. That's all. I just need someone to understand this is where I'm at. You know, right. And you're like, you're almost taking away from it. And so that's why I can understand that. Right. You know? Right. And me and my wife have talked about this before, too. Like, I mean, you know, when it comes to discrimination and when it comes to certain things like this, you know, a white person cannot look at a black person and say, I understand what discrimination is. No. Because you're no. not there. It's impossible for you to understand what it means to be black. No, nope, absolutely. You just you, you, you can't. Like that, that, that is so, so when it comes to things like that's why well, I, I just, I understand. No, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't know what it's like to walk into an environment that you, that someone judges you by the color of your skin. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. Are there very small instances where that probably could happen? Yes. If you walk in, if a white person walks into a very like, I'll just take Detroit for an example. If you walk into a very rough part of Detroit where they're, you know, they're, you know, Detroit is predominantly black. And if you are a white person, you probably will get a few looks because one, we probably would suspect that you're the police, right? We don't, because it's just not normal for a white person to be there. Okay. Well, that, and when I delivered in Detroit, there'd be plenty of times where people would yell from their porch, especially like, Listen, some parts of Detroit got rowdy after five o'clock. Oh, yeah. You know, and they would yell, what's that white boy doing over here? Or, hey, man, don't be here too long. But never did I leave feeling like I was discriminated. Do you want to know why? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't happen normally for me. Yeah. I just knew, okay, this is a place where I shouldn't be at a certain time. But I can't say that same experience would 
that doesn't happen for black people because it's a it's a con it can be more of a constant thing it's going to hit deeper and be bigger than what it was for, you know what i'm saying right but that's why i agree with you i agree like Listen, I can't say that even though I've experienced that, that it's hit me at this. It's come nowhere. It's paled in comparison to where it's probably hit you. Right. And I think that's what Latasha, to a certain extent, is getting to here. And I I completely understand that. And I think that's valid. But I think some of the other things that stated here in that same breath is not that is not is not good. Tip number four is don't she calls it don't quote white splain unquote do not explain racism to a person of color do not explain how the microaggression they just experienced was actually just someone being nice do not explain how a particular injustice is more about class than race <laughs> it is an easy trap to fall in, into but you can avoid you, but you can avoid it by maintaining a posture of active listening. I don't know. I uh, I don't consider that white splaining. <laughs> Again, on our show, Kevin, we're we're we are here because we want to bring truth and a biblical perspective. If I feel like somebody is making something about race instead of class, and we did this on the last show, that's why I giggled. Yeah, we literally did this. <laughs> I think it's my obligation to call out truth for what it is. Now, I won't try to explain racism to a person of color because I personally don't live in that realm. So I agree off the rip. Ah, I'm not going to explain racism to a person of color. They could probably explain to me more about racism than I can. But when they act out, and I talked about my job that I was previously at, where I would make a comment or say something, and then instantly it was about race. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm saying, no, it's not about race, because I'd make that same comment to a white driver as I would a black driver. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Like, so I would have to then explain what's going on. I'm not just going to uh, sit and listen and allow you to create your own theory on why I said what I said. No, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened, because that's what I would do for anybody. Right. Right. So. I, so, I mean, I guess I, I look at this and I say. I want to make sure our audience understands what a microaggression is. And we talked a little bit about it on the last show, but let me give an example of what I feel like a microaggression is. And this is going to get a little sticky, okay? Mm-hmm. But there are times when people like myself speak or other people who speak like me, I just, I tend to speak what, what some people would call proper. Like I just, I, I speak proper, okay? Mm-hmm. And someone may say, and I've had this said to me many times, wow, you are very well-spoken, okay? Now, to a black person, if, yeah. if you're a white person and you say that to a black person you're well-spoken, what, what a, usually what is in a black person's mind is they're saying, okay, I know you were expecting me to not pronounce my words right. You were expecting me to talk, you know, Ebonics, slang, whatever, like all the things, right? And so basically you're saying, hey, you talk good for a black guy. Okay. Right. And and, and in my opinion, that's wrong. Like if you're saying that with that heart behind it, if in your mind you're going, oh wow, you actually talk good for a black person, that's not right. Okay. Nope. Now. On the other side of this, I would say as African-Americans, 
we, a lot of times, somebody might look at me or other per- people who talk like me and say, well, you, you just talk white. Okay. Is there a such thing as talking white? Like that, you know, because really there's not, there's a way that you pronounce words correctly, like the English language, like correctly. And then there's ways you butcher it. I mean, that's just all it is to it. Now, and it could be from your upbringing. Maybe you just, maybe you were in a a community where words were said a certain way and it just became a part of your vocabulary. And, and, And I'm not saying necessarily anything is necessarily wrong with that. But what I'm saying is if somebody actually pronounces their words right, you can't say they're talking white. So for, for, I'm going to give, I'm going to give an example. And this is where it can get sticky. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be anything other than this is a good example. Okay. If I say to Kyle right now, let me ask you a question. Okay. For Kyle, ax is something that he would find stuck in a, a piece of wood, right? Or a tree. For some African Americans to say, let me ask you something is, a, let me ask you a question, right? So if I say ask and the, the other person say, says, ask, can I ask you a question? Okay. It's not that I'm talking white because I say ask. It's that I am actually pronouncing the word the way the word was intended to be pronounced. Yeah. Okay. And so I think we have to be careful on both sides not to have any type of aggressions toward either side. Right. Because people come from, you know, there's people that come from the South that say things differently, right? There's people that come from wherever. I just hold the the point of view that if the English language gives you a way to say something, you should say it that way. Like, if you can, right? If that's possible for you to do, you should say it the correct way, okay? But again, you can't look at a Black person that says acts instead of ask. And think automatically that that person's uneducated, because let me tell you something. I know some people who will say acts all day and have two or three degrees, right? Who holds high positions, who whatever. They're just, they're amazing. They're brilliant, right? And so that's how we on both sides need to stop the microaggressions, right? And so I wanted to use that for an example, because I thought that was a, a a decent example. It is. so. Number five, don't make the conversation about you. The needs, feelings, questions, priorities of white people are centered most everywhere. And if you feel silenced or undervalued, use the experience to inform how you treat people of color in other spaces instead of developing a victim complex. The falling of white, quote, white tears, unquote, does not build bridges, and it shifts the focus from the true problem, racism and inequality, to how you feel about having to learn about it. I'm just going to challenge you if you're listening to this episode. This is the second time it's been said. I want you to turn on the television. I want you to watch a sports channel. I want you to go on CNN, Fox News. I want you to go on the Weather Channel, and I want you to tally up how many shows, episodes, commercials, news alerts 
that did not involve an African-American person. That's what I want. I want, I want you to do that. And I want you to comment because what I, the world I live in, and I'm okay with this before I, I want to preface, I'm okay with this. Black voices are being elevated. In fact, the world is listening to the racial injustice and the black voices for it. The world is here for that. So we have to stop pretending like white voices are silencing black voices. And so in return, black voices have to silence white voices because that's what this says here. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just not true. That's just not true. In, in large part, the world is here for listening to the black voices, the LeBron James of the world. LeBron James gets a, a seat at every racial discussion, mm-hmm. every one of them. Colin Kaepernick had that seat until he went anti-government mm-hmm. on everybody, mm-hmm. until he went anti-America, mm-hmm. okay? Colin Kaepernick had that. We have, Kevin said it, but we have, in the politi- po- politic world, we have that. Mm-hmm. The, the dilemmas of the world. I mean, let's yeah. be real here. Yeah. Let's be real. And, and there's no discrimination there. And so I guess I have a problem with, with that. Now, now, here's the deal. I will not make myself, I won't make the conversation about me. Because again, I don't experience racism. So you don't have to remind me of that. But you're also not going to silence me in the conversation of it. You just right. can't do that. We need education. And, so, and then I don't like the, the falling of white tears does not build bridges. So what, what do you want me to do? Just listen and not be active? Mm-hmm. Do you want me to listen without emotion? Because that would be listening without intent in my, in my personal. And I see, I see the, the next tip <laughs> has that. But, but, but you know what I'm saying, Kevin? Like, what do, you, do, you, do you want me just to hashtag BLM and not? Now, listen, that's, that's not saying I support it. But I'm saying, in that case, you're saying, let me listen to all of that, but then just stay free of it. Well, I think if we are going to make change, then we do need white advocates, black advocates, Hispanic advocates for equality. Mm-hmm. So it would take it would take more than me just listening. Yeah, and you know, and if you look at this, you know, she says, if you feel silenced or undervalued, use that experience to inform how you treat people of color in other spaces. So as soon as you feel un- un- unvalued, a white person, hey, you know what you you should you should look at yourself because <laughs> because you're white and you're inherently racist. Why don't you think about how you've made me as a black person feel that that's what she's saying. <laughs> like it's, it's, when, it's an automatic flip. Yeah. It's, it's automatic. It, it, it turns into reverse racism guys. Like this is, and this is, is for the church that this is, this is. is being taught in churches. Who walks into their church and hands this to their parishioners and, and, and acts as though this is bringing unity to the body of Christ? Folks, you're kidding yourself. And we're going backwards about 50 years because we have lost our spine to stand up against stuff like this. If something like this took over, it would be a rewriting of history the opposite way. It would be, it would be, because at that point, black people are king. Like what, what, Latasha, what do you want us to do at the end of the day? What is supposed to happen here? What, what, what do you want? (laughs) And I feel like sometimes that's what white people are asking. It's like, 
what do you want from us? Right? You you asked for rep you asked for reparations. You asked for us to change the laws. You've asked for us to 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 say I'm sorry. You've asked us to march for Black Lives Matter. You've asked us, like at what point does it end? Right? And, and and again, don't get me wrong. We realize that there is racism in the world. But by the same token, we're not going to reverse this on white people and start saying, well, now you're you're the you, you know, you're you're the problem and we're going to be the ones who oppress you because this is what this is doing. Number six, don't equate impact with intent. Yes, we all know your heart was in the right place and you meant well. But your words or behavior had a negative impact on those around you. And that is what matters. Despite the best of intentions, as you navigate conversations of race, you will make mistakes and missteps and hurt someone. Humbly apologize and do better next time rather than dig in your heels or try to justify yourself. I look at this and I say, this is with anybody. I was this with any conversation, right? I mean, I, I didn't do that this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're a black person, so Latasha, you should be doing the same thing. This is not just tips for white people. This is tips for red, black, or brown, whoever. Yeah, that that's just a common. That's a common. That's a common etiquette, you know. When you when you're having a conversation with somebody, oh, I hurt your feelings. I'm not going to justify it. Just tell me how I was wrong. I'll learn from it. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, yeah. Number seven, don't explain away a person of color's experience of oppression. They are the expert on their own experience. Don't play devil's advocate or provide an alternative explanation for what happened. Take their words for it. Maybe ask a follow up question like, how did that make you feel? Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that again. But, but again, that's with anybody's experience of trauma in general. I wasn't there. Even if I was, I wasn't the one that was victim of it. So I'm not going to act like your words don't matter. And my follow-up question probably would be, well, how are you doing? How did that make you feel? What is it, what's going through your mind right now? Usually I ask, what were you thinking in that moment? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because I want to see how deep the trauma went. No, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, again, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You're right. That's, and, and I agree. And I want you guys to help you, help you to understand that when it is right and it's fair, we're going to say it's right and it's fair. Yeah. We're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater and say, well, everything she says is wrong. Nope, that's not what we're saying. But we're going to nope. take this uh, uh, honest look through each of these and say mm-hmm. where we feel like it's, it's not God, or if it's universally right, then we'll, we'll say so, right? Ver, uh, verse, <laughs> thank God this <laughs> is not the Bible. <laughs> Number eight. If what you are about to say starts with not all, for example, men, white people, evangelicals, police officers, etc., don't say it. Conversations about race and racism are about systems, institutions, and ideologies more than individuals. Though this is contrary to white cultural norms, it is not helpful or necessary to force the conversation to fit our culture. There will always be quote, good examples, which fall outside generalizations, but do not derail the conversation by bringing up the exceptions when discussing the rule. Well, we don't, I don't think 
we have to spend a lot of time on this. I think this is literally the 180 from what we stand on. Mm-hmm. So I would say don't force the race conversation to fit your culture. There will always be bad examples which fall outside of the generalization. Mm-hmm. Not good examples. I think there's a majority good. I think that we've done a great job just in the last decade with racial injustice, and it needs to be better. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not saying we've arrived there. It needs to be better, but I'm telling you we're trending in that direction. And I think that there's more good examples of that than there are bad examples of that. And so I, I just, yeah, I think that this stance is really just the opposite of what I would believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nine. And again, this is 16, bridge building tips for white people. Nine, don't demand proof of a person of color's lived experience or try to counter their narrative with the experience of another person of color. The experiences and opinions of people of color are as diverse as its people. We can believe their stories, but keep in mind Just because one person of color doesn't feel oppressed, that doesn't mean systematic institutional racism is not real. I I didn't mean to giggle there. It sounded really disrespectful, but I giggled because honestly, if you demanded proof of a person of color's living experience, you might be racist, in my opinion. Like, (laughs) like, Like, I agree with that. I do agree with that. I don't, again, I don't agree with systemic... I don't agree with institutional racism. Like, I don't agree with that. So I can't agree with that bottom line there. But yeah, man, listen, if someone comes to you and they're talking about their experience and how they've been oppressed, don't demand proof. Like, it's not up to you to judge their life, in my opinion. Like, listen, just just show them the love that they obviously didn't get in that situation, where regardless of race or whatever it is. I, I just, I don't know. That's my, my stance is like, I'm not going to sit there and, and, with any situation and go, well, prove to me that, that that's what you really experienced. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a mixture here. I, 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 yes, I, I agree with Kyle, but I also think that bas- basically what this is saying is believe all black people at all times, no matter what, it, it, you know, even if they're, I mean, they could be lying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we've That's had true. how many? Uh, we we've seen this right in the news, right? <laughs> Jesse uh, Smollett. Uh, we've had yep. some of the other ones who's I got attacked by white people and they tried to come after me and they whatever. Okay, oh. am I supposed to just go along with that just because yeah, you're black? You know. Just because the color of your skin? I'm just gonna you know you better believe me because I'm black. Well, hold on. Hold on. Do you remember the NASCAR story no. a year ago? No. Bubba Watson? I, I, you know what? Vaguely. And then it came out days later. So he, he was quoted saying that someone hung a noose in his car garage at NASCAR. And oh, so then yeah. they did this whole drive around the track and honored him as a, as a black NASCAR driver. Come to find out that was the pull down of the garage door. And that's how they tied every girl. Like, it's just like, I, so I understand what you're saying, Kevin. I do. And I, and, and I think you, you're the person in this conversation that has the right to say that, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I know too that I, as a person, I'm never going to, I can inside go, mm, I don't know if I agree with that story, if that story is true. 
But who am I? Like, I wasn't there, right? So I'm not going to question it in public, nor am I going to feed into it if I do question it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think, and again, I agree with Kyle on that, on, on that uh, portion. You know, I think we should. But I, 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 I think, again, this is broad, broad and saying you must believe yeah. everything you hear. I mean, come on. Right. We wouldn't say that with right. anything else. Right. And right. so it's, right. again, it exalts black culture. Believe it, I don't care what it is. It's because it's black, you believe it, right? And then right. it's just not fair. I mean, it's just, ugh. 10, don't believe the classic trope that behavior modification on the part of people of color would eliminate racism. In other words, don't blame the victim. People of color changing how they dress, what music they listen to, how they speak, or any other number of excuses will not eradicate white supremacy. Belief in such is a historical shift from biological racism, which is people of color are inherently inferior, to cultural racism, which is people of color are culturally inferior. Expecting black, indigenous, and people of color to act more in line with white culture norms is not the solution. Am I going too far on line to say that this is the, probably at this point the most uneducated point in the six, the ten that we've read? Talk to me. I think it goes along the lines of Kevin. You're you're an educated speaker. You're not a white speaker. Okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have you don't talk like a white person. I don't know that we should be saying you dress white. You act more in line with white culture. I, I just don't believe I don't, I don't like when people say stuff like that when you talk white you I don't think that I think there's a preference in how you want to talk I think there's a preference in how you want to act I think there's a pre- and you may call that cultural stuff but I don't think it has to be racially culture mm-hmm. I just don't and so again I probably wouldn't if I wrote this I probably would have worded that different I wouldn't have wrote that in there because I just I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I don't agree with that comment. Yeah. I, I think she's speaking to basically saying, you know, because there's a, a narrative that says, well, you know, you're looked at the way you're looked at because, you know, you wear your pants sagging, you wear hoodies, you're not speaking proper. You know, the music yeah. you listen to is vulgar rap that has the N word and it has, is de- you know, is denigrating to women and i mean all the things right but what i'm saying is is like listen hip-hop is it it is black culture okay Mm -hmm. country it is white culture right Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that that falls in line with white culture it doesn't mean that it's falls in line with black culture you can be white and love rap and hip-hop sure and still be of white culture. You can be black and love country. We have black country singers. One of my yeah. favorite country singers is black. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're any less black because of that or you're any more white because that's what I, I guess that's what I'm saying is mm-hmm. there could be cultural things that you can be a part of and still be. I guess it's like this. It's like we, we talked about in our youth group with, with, with transgender identities. Dude, you can be, I can be on a feminine bent with my personalities. And I'm still 100% male. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and as a woman, you can be totally masculine in the way you dress, the way you act, the way you talk, the hobbies that you do. But guess what? You are 100% female. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I guess I, the same thing would translate over for me in race. And so teaching this 
puts us back to the stone ages of racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. A majority of what we're learning here is doing that. It's just the flip side of retaliation almost of, well, since we've experienced this, now it's time for the white person to experience this so they can understand how we've been oppressed. Well, listen, then that's only going to result in the same effect. Mm -hmm. And then we're back to square one, just flip side. Mm -hmm. Yep. 11. Do not chastise people of color or dismiss their message because they express their grief, fear, or anger in ways you deem, quote, inappropriate. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. Understand that historically, we white people have silenced voices of dissent and lament with our cultural idol of niceness, quote, niceness. Provide space for people of color to wail, cuss, or even yell at you. Jesus, oh boy, Jesus didn't hold back when he saw hypocrisy and oppression. People of color shouldn't have to either. Be careful when you use Jesus. Amen. Especially when there's emotion involved. Be careful when you do that. Jesus also set a standard of how we should respond and react and live and talk and treat others that are oppressing us. Listen, the Jewish people were oppressed. Oppressed. And I'll just point you to one scripture verse, and this is, what did he, what did he say to do with the Roman soldiers that asked them to do something they probably shouldn't have had to do anyway? Go a second mile. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that we take into account the entire teaching of Jesus before we just... Listen, Jesus had no problem calling out the religious leaders of the day. Right. And you're wrong there, but I don't think we should use Jesus as the example of how people of color should treat a random white person. Provide space for people of color to wail, cuss, or even yell at you. Kevin, look at me. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. If you're Hispanic or Asian, if you wail, cuss, or yell at me, we are going to have a problem. I will take it there, not because of your race, because of the amount of disrespect that you just displayed on me. I'll and, take it there. And this is and this is from a Christian. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not sure that that person's willing to go where I'm going to take it. Right. But that has nothing to do with race. Right. And, and, and this, but guys, understand that she's saying that this is from a Christian perspective. The name of her book is Be the Bridge Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. Like, I mean, if you really hear what's going on here, does any of this sound like God's heart? Like, you, you know, I want you, white person, to stand there, and you better not, you better not be angry when I yell at you and I cuss you out because of what I deem has been done wrong to me, right? I mean, guys, don't get me wrong. If you have had somebody who's done something that, was a, 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 that oppressed you or was a racial slur or whatever, you have the right to confront that person. Here's the problem. This is being taught in small groups in churches. So what am I supposed to do? If I get upset at somebody in my small group, just am I, is I, I just, you know, 
And, and, and I know people say, well, you're missing the spirit of this. You're missing No, I, I'm really not. Because here's the problem. We're training people to say, listen, if you get mad at something because of, of race and you're in the body of Christ, you need to stand back while I yell and cuss you out. I mean, that's, that's basically what they're saying. Because Jesus didn't hold back. And as Kyle said, Jesus, you never saw him. Jesus got the most angry at his own, the people who claimed that they knew God, who claimed that they were Christian, that they, that they were following the law and that they were supposed to be examples. Those were the people that he called snakes and that he called whitewashed tombs and that he called uh, uh, vipers and all of that kind of, it was those people. It wasn't his enemies. (laughs) Right? So, Again, keep Jesus out of it, Latasha. 12. Don't attempt to equate your experiences visiting, serving, or living overseas with the experience of being a person of color in America. You may have been a minority in your setting, but it is not an equivalent experience. Being a person of color in America includes a different set of dynamics. White supremacy is not unique to America, but rather a worldwide phenomenon. But, you know, again, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's, you know, I, I get what she's saying. I, yeah, there. I just don't think that uh, oh, anybody should take a conversation there. That that type of conversation wouldn't be beneficial for anything. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thirteen. Don't underestimate the impact of your words. You have the power to inflict real lasting damage in these conversations. Be careful. Melanin is not a protective shield. Decide if you want to be a bomb or a battering ram. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's I listen, with any, I, yeah. any conversation. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done more damage talking to random people about their problems than I have just being quiet. So, yeah, I've had to learn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 14. There's only 16 of these folks. Now, this is written as a white person, okay? So think of it from from that way, because this is how it's written. Don't forget, racism is our problem, written as a white person. Our people created and sustained it, and now it's our job to dismantle it. Only by the grace and mercy of God are people of color willing to walk this road with us toward racial healing and reconciliation. Honor that reality in how you treat those with whom you want to build bridges. Well, I think that we're doing a good job. Well, let me just say this first, because I know you want to unpack that first comment. I think we're doing our best to dismantle racism in America. I really do. I I think that we've gone above and beyond things that we probably didn't even need to have to do to just prove that we're we're trying to dismantle racism as best as we can. Is it really our problem? Kevin, is it my problem that racism existed? I'm 30 years old, mind you. I was born in 1990. Okay? Yeah. Do I I need to take fault for racism? Is it directly Kyle Wenzel's problem? No. It's it no, it's not. Historically, you could argue that it's not even the white man's problem. 
but we don't have to take it that deep. Oh, I will take because it that I deep. Because I think that... I think that some people will go, well, Kyle, you're racist for saying that. But I, I, listen, if if your education on racism is surface level because you think it originated in America, you probably shouldn't write that comment. Yeah. And, and this is what a lot of black people. And, and if you do know this and you still like kind of go along with this stuff, I just don't understand it. But anyways, you know, it, it was not the white man who sold the, the black man. Originally, it was black people who sold black, black people to the white man. So, again, racism and sl- well, slavery, I should say, slavery in and of itself, it started with us selling us to white people. It just did. Like, that's facts. Like, I know I don't feel good and it doesn't like you just it may it, it you know and, and i understand you know you say well but but in the 1960s it, it wasn't like that but you have to understand that this is where it started i'm just giving you the facts yeah yeah i just i again i'm not i'm not going to racism isn't my fault but i'll do everything i can to dismantle racism absolutely absolutely that's my stance on that quote that on that there i i will not tell you it's my fault because it's not my fault but i will do everything i can to make sure you as a black american do not experience that that's right because kyle can only be respond kyle is self-responsibility he can be responsible for him and his family right he can teach his kids the right thing kyle himself cannot you know try don't be racist his wife right you know don't be racist he can't control another grown man that lives in nope. Arizona right now that is racist. Like, it's, it's not Kyle's fault that that man is racist. That man has to take self-responsibility and become anybody that's racist in 2021. It's just ignorant. Like, that, that, because there's too much proof. We're past the whole Darwin garbage. We're past the whole, well, they just didn't evolve and all, like, Come on, guys. We're this is 2021. Like, so anybody who feels that somebody is less than because of the amount of melanin in their skin and don't realize that we are all absolutely 100% wired the same way, right? We all bleed red. We all have the same brains, you know, different levels of 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 maybe intelligence or whatever, but our brains are wired the same way. Like our structural makeup's the same way, and you still think that I'm inferior to you because I'm an African-American? That's just utter ignorance. I could agree with this comment if it said, don't forget, racism isn't our problem, but it's our responsibility to dismantle. And then not towards white people, towards us as humanity. Yeah. Because that's, and we talked about this, ultimately what would happen is if families like mine, yeah, all three of my girls are going to be raised to understand equality and mm-hmm. that we're all human beings. Right. But again, you're right. I can't, I can't say that my neighbors are doing the same thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it would be all of us in that. So yeah, I, I'm sorry, but it's not, it's not my problem, but I promise you it will be my responsibility to make sure my family understands equality. Right. Racism is everybody's problem. And I think that's yep. what we, we have to understand, because there's also yep. racism from blacks. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we sit here, we're going to give 16 tips to white people, but there's also racism that comes from blacks. There are blacks that hate white people, period. Have you ever listened to a, a, a talk by Louis Farrakhan? I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of hours, untold amount of hours of that man's speeches, right? 
And I do that. You know why? Because I research, because I want to hear what, what people are saying, right? Have you heard some of the things that Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson has said? I mean, I, dude, I, dude. I, I mean, you, we can talk about, we can talk about white people all day, but it's everybody's problem. That, that's what I say. So if white people have been racist and black people has been racist, whose problem is racism? Racism. Everyone's. Everyone's, yep. So we need to, again, we need to come into unity, not pitting one against the other, all right? Which is what this does. 15, don't get defensive when you are called out for any of the above. When a person of color tells you that your words, tone, behavior are racist, oppressive, triggering, you stop. (laughs) Don't try to explain yourself. Don't become passive aggressive or sarcastic. Don't leave in a huff. It may be helpful, however, to inconspicuously step outside, go to the restroom, or take a deep breath. Remain cognizant of the dynamics of white fragility and take note of how it usually shows up in you. When you get defensive or leave the conversation, you reinforce to people of color that white people are not safe people with which to have this conversation. When a person of color tells you that your words, tone, behavior are racist, oppressive, and triggering, you stop. But I guess if the person wasn't being racist, there's no, we're not going to collaborate about this. We're not going to seek to find common ground here or unity or seek clarification. Right. Like, I mean, isn't this what we're supposed to do? If somebody says something and it triggers us or it rubs us the wrong way, especially if they're a brother or sister in Christ. Right. Shouldn't we right. get clarity yep. from that person? Like, is, isn't this what the Bible teaches? I mean, we're supposed to get clarity and say, you know what? I, you said so-and-so. I just wasn't real clear, and I just want to make sure that I didn't hear the wrong thing or I'm not thinking the wrong thing, right? Because we're supposed to be seeking unity with our brothers and sisters. And the scripture is clear in Psalms 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How do you get unity from, from saying, you know what? If a black person is triggered, stop. Okay? Like, hold on. <laughs> hold on here. Let's, let's go back and let's find out and, and get some clarity on what that person, instead of walking off in a huff and saying, well, I just know that's what they meant. Why don't you find out if that's what they meant? And then when they tell you that's not what they meant, don't walk away and go, yeah, he, you just said that. But I know that's what you meant. That is not a Christ-like attitude. I don't care what you say. You will not find that in scripture. Right. Guys, I'm so, I'm, I, guys, I, I, I'm not, you, you, you have to understand, guys, we have to obey scripture. And as white people and as black people, we cannot, we cannot take our race and raise that above, above who Christ is and who he's asked us to be. It's, you, there's nothing that we should raise to the level of an idol in our lives. Just like Aaron and the people had idols, these calves and all of these other things, these are modern day idols. Whether you're white or whether you're black, neither one should have, a, your race should be an idol. N- none of it. Yeah. Number 16, don't give up. This will be a hard 
lifelong process. Take care of yourself. Find community. Take time out to disconnect and process. Abide in the word. Pray. Laugh. Cry. Yell. Sit quietly. Sing. Dance. Remember that our hope is in Jesus, who is present and who sees all and who grieves more deeply than you over racial oppression. Then come back and work hard again tomorrow. People of color don't get to step out of their skin and walk away the way we can. Remain even when it's harder than you imagine it could be in solidarity. There's a lot of good things she said there. But it's got a little dagger in it. And I would say, Latasha, why don't you read that, that, that top first part yourself? This is going to be hard, Latasha. It's going to be a long process. You know why it's going to be a long process? Because you're not going to eradicate racism in the world. Only God can do that. Take time to, you know, find community. You know what? Find, find other white people. I'm talking to black people right now. Find community there. You can't find community when you silence half of it. Right. Exactly. And they, listen, I, I don't take 16 serious because of the way she's misquoted Jesus, because the way she's wrapped scripture around an agenda, and because the way she's chosen, chosen to teach people how to silence a racial category. I don't take anything serious about any kind of community she wants to talk about. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't know the heart of Jesus. If, you, if, if, if this is how you feel, <laughs> again, be the bridge pursuing God's heart, God's heart for racial reconciliation. If this is God's heart, you haven't read the Bible. Not, not right. even close. And if you did read it, you, you haven't studied it properly. Because this is not how God would handle things, right. right? And so again, folks, there's some good, there's some bad, but this is what's being taught in a lot of mainstream evangelical churches, because CRT has caused white pastors and leaders and influencers to have white guilt. And so they feel like they need to bring in somebody like Latasha Morrison in to bridge this gap because man we didn't know we didn't under we didn't understand we were that bad wow we must and there's all kinds of books that are being written now to help white people understand how how how, how they have been terrible and you know what there are some leg- legitimate people who probably does need to read a book or two a book or two about how they've yeah. how, how they've been racist right because yeah. they have and yep. we totally admit that but this garbage doesn't belong in the church. And it is, it is my responsibility, just like everybody else, but I have these national airwaves. And it's my responsibility to tell you the truth. And I will not get on air and, and, and give you, you know, do you realize, do you realize where I'd be today? We've got a lot of success with this show. There's things happening behind the scenes. We don't even, we haven't even talked about. It. We don't even. We haven't even said on air. God is really favoring this show. But let me tell you something. Outside of the favor of God, if I wanted to be even more popular, if I wanted to to just make things go faster, you know what I would do? I'd be just like a lot of other mainstream podcasts. And I would j- not say the hard things. We would not cover the hard things. And I would invite people like this on my show. 
And you know what? That would get me a lot of publicity. I am not interested in publicity. I am interested in people understanding the truth because at the end of the day, you and me, we're both going to meet God. We're not going to stand there with Latasha Morrison. We're not going to stand there with Candace Owens. We're not going to stand there with, with, with who name your political person that you feel like you, you follow, right? We're not going to stand there with those people. We're going to stand there by ourselves and we're going to answer to God. And I'm not, I, I promise you, I'm going to do everything in my power not to lead you wrong. Yep. So listen, guys, if you have any questions on any of the stuff that we've covered today, it was a little longer. We mm-hmm. want to make sure we got through all 16 with you guys. Listen, if any questions, any concerns, maybe something we didn't elaborate on well enough, please comment on our social media page. That's, that's the best way to get to us. Facebook and Instagram, Thinking Out Loud Podcast. Instagram is thinking underscore out loud podcast. You'll know our logo when you see it. It's thinking out loud with Kevin and Kyle. Listen, we want to know, we want to collaborate. We want to be able to help. We don't cover hard topics like this because we get to say it and we, it's just the end all be all. We, we love having conversations with people. So, so listen, be a part of that. Be a part of this. We care about the future of humanity in general. So we're going to cover this kind of stuff and we want to make sure we do it the right way. So you can, you can contact us there. Also, we have our thinking outloudmedia.com website that you can find content on links towards authors and, and, and books and things like that are on there as well. And then listen, if you're listening right now, Go ahead, if you're on an Apple device, scroll all the way down at the bottom. Make sure you rate and review so we can help get things like this out because believe it or not, things like this are being taught in universities and schools, not just churches. Um, it's a little alarming that it's in churches, but it's it's being taught. And so, listen, we want to be an opposing voice to lies. Not Not that we need to be an opposing voice all the time. But sometimes when you back yourself up with the word of God, you're going to find that it's going to oppose certain things. And so help us get the word out. Help us to do what we feel like we're called to do on the show and speak nothing but truth. And you can find us in all of those avenues. Yeah. And if you want Kyle and I to come to your church, you want to, you want to book us for speaking engagements or roundtable discussion, town hall, whatever. We can talk about all these issues and, 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 you know, and we can, you know, and, and again, and when, when Kyle and I say things like, Hey, we want you to reach out to us. If there's, you know, if you have, mm-hmm. we're not joking. You know, we say right. things with passion, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a humble heart. And an open mind and, and ears to hear opposing views, right? Like, this is just not a debate show. So that's why we don't have, you probably say, well, well, how come you don't have people that, that, you know, that believe the exact opposite of you? Listen, I listen to those people all the time and I do have those conversations in my, in my personal life. Right. But I'm, this is not a show for, like, I don't, I'm not going to sit and debate people on this show. It doesn't help the body of Christ. Right. And I'm trying to help the, move the, the body of Christ forward. But by the same token, if you're listening to this and you say, Kev, you're just missing it, dude. Like you, you're just out of, you, whatever. Find us online. You, you can find me at the real Kevin Wilson, which is my, my public Facebook page at the real Kevin Wilson. Message me and say, man, can we talk? I'll talk to you. Right? So, you know, Kyle, same way. He'll talk to you. We're, we're not above learning more or, or right. being corrected by something or whatever. I mean, that's just, you know, so again, 
if you're if you're out there, you want to uh, talk to us, let's talk. And then also, you know, if you want to book us, definitely go to our website and you can you'll see what you need to do there to book us. So we love you guys. We hope you have a great, fantastic week. See you next week.